Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Land Development Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Glick. And if this is your first time joining us, our show is dedicated to having on uh, individuals associated with the land development industry to hear more about their origin story and hear about some of the projects that they have going on in their world. And joining me today is Tyler Hess. Tyler is a serial entrepreneur and the owner of Hess Properties. Tyler, thanks for joining me. Hey, hey, thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me. And I'm excited to kind of dive in and, and, and hear what we, what we got going on and, and what, what you got going on. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I want to, I guess where I want to start out in our conversation is um, digging in more to the, maybe to the entrepreneur side first and foremost, because I know Hess Properties is obviously a big part of what you do, but you've had a lot of entrepreneurial experience leading up to it. And so um, I guess, how did you get started on the path of, you know, being your own boss and starting your own business and everything? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, so um, I grew up, um, my dad did sidewalks, owned a, a company, sidewalks, curb and gutters for subdivisions. So I grew up working for him. Um, and then I knew early on, I, I wanted to, you know, run my own business, own my own business. Um, so actually when I was 22, um, I, I, I thought becoming a builder was where I wanted to go. Um, but I knew I didn't have the resources to jump right into that. So I actually started my first business. I was 22, um, in college and I started doing, uh, garage floor coatings, um, concrete staining, kind of more decorative surface coatings for concrete. And that business, um, actually this year will be the 20th year that that business has, has been in business. So wow. Started when I was 22, I dropped out of college and kind of just pushed all my chips, went all in. And looking back, um, I think I was too young and too naive to understand the risk of, of starting a business. So I feel lucky and fortunate as I evolved and really understood, you know, the, the risks it takes. Um, I just feel blessed that I was able to, to get in and get that business off the ground. And now that business does, you know, I think I had 25 or 30 employees over there. Um, and it's doing really well and I've stepped away about 10 years ago. So, um, but I still own, own majority of that business. Nice. That's, that's really cool. So you, you started in not, so you started in the space where you're doing a garage, you know, floor coating. And at some point you, you made a transition to actually get into the real estate side of things where, uh, whether it was the home building or the actual development side, how did that all progress? How did that happen? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Silverline doing the garage floors, I was around the industry, kind of in the construction world. And, uh, and then 08 came and, and really kind of shook everyone. I had to downsize that company quickly. Um, and that's probably my first real out of, you know, the norm experience where I realized this company was the only thing that was paying my bills. And, uh, so in 2009, I actually partnered up with a couple of buddies and we started a, uh, a gym business and I wanted to get something outside of the construction industry that I felt like was, was kind of, um, risky at the time. So long story short, started our first gym, um, and just got worked. Uh, you know, I thought, Oh, I'm a business guy. I, I can figure this out. And it was a struggle. I mean, we, we, uh, it took a couple of years. We were covering the shifts, cleaning the toilets. Um, but that, that gym business eventually blew up 
Um, and that's kind of where I got my first real take of, of running a business and, and not being in the business. I was able to set that business up, bring in a, uh, the right employees, put them in the right seats. And that business, I grew it to uh, eight locations. Um, we had a hundred and little over 120 employees and we had about 20,000 members. Wow. Um, but within that business, I got into real estate. Um, we actually started building our own buildings, leasing them to ourselves. And when I sold those businesses uh, about two years ago, uh, what was sold for the most was actually the real estate. You know, it wasn't the operation. It wasn't the business. It, it was the real estate and the buildings we owned. And uh, that's kind of what propelled me to get into developing, you know, full time. So, okay. So when you when you decided to get into the development side of things, did you? Um, I mean, was it trial and error? Was it uh, you know certain people you knew in the industry already that were able to kind of help you through that initial process, or how did you kind of go about getting started? Yeah, so I, I didn't just jump right in. Um, I actually when I still own my gyms and I still had my sirline business. Um, I was taking those profits and I was actually going out and buying vacant lots. Um, so I go into development and, and in 2010, 11, you know, those lots were cheap. So, um, I would go in and, and I'd secure the lots. Um, and then I would partner with a builder and then we'd build a spec, a spec home and then we'd split the profits. So I started doing that for a couple of years. Um, and really got my feet wet. And I started creating relationships with those builders and realized that the supply and demand, the lots were drying up because no one was really jumping in and trying to develop it. So in 2015, I think, or yeah, I think it's 14 or 15, I, I bought my first piece of land and I completely leveraged it. Um, I went in, you know, the guy, I found the, the land, it was already pre-platted and approved. Um, it just never got developed. It was right by a golf course and, and actually an area I grew up in. Um, so I went in and kind of negotiated the price with, with the landowner. And I didn't have the funds to pay for the whole property at first. So it kind of goes my first way that there's always a way to, to make a deal. It's not just having to write a check and, and uh, you know, go get a loan. Uh, you know, I'm against, you know, using banks at, as, at, at, all, at all possible. Um, so I actually met with the landowner and said, hey, can we work up a structured deal here where I put in, I think I put in three hundred or 400000 to secure the land. And then I said, you know, here's the price you want for the property. I'll give you more on the back end. Um, and I was trying to show him a strategic way where, you know, I could pay him more. But in, you know, selfish way, I, I knew I didn't have the money to, to, to make the whole deal work right then. And sure enough, he agreed to it. And uh, we did the deal. Um, I developed the property. It was a, a huge undertaking. Um, I learned a lot about, you know, hiring the right people, um, you know, getting the right engineers, um, going to staff, the rezoning. Um, and I just wrote it all down of, okay, this is how, how this works. Well, in 15 and 16, the market started coming back pretty strong here. And, uh, that individual was able to make a lot more money because I gave him a percentage on the back end. And so he ended up making more money than he would have just selling it outright. And then he started telling all his friends and they're all farmers. Typically we have a bunch of farm ground around here. Um, so then his friends started calling me and saying, Hey, you know, I'm looking to 
sell my property and I, I like the deal you did with, with, you know, so-and-so. And, and, uh, so I started you know, doing a lot more of those deals and, and that's kind of where I've gotten where I am today is, um, just strategizing, you know, deals that, you know, make people more money on the back end. And then I don't have to put up as much money on the front end. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And I was going to mention at the, at the beginning, for those of you listening in right now, um, I was talking, I was telling Tyler before we started here that, uh, he's the first one who has done an interview from his truck on a job site, which I think is per <laughs> it's perfect for the show. And like, oh. you know, you know, who we're talking to and stuff. So those of you who are just listening and don't see the video, I just wanted to at least put that context into, uh, into our conversation here, but you're, so you're, you're located out in Idaho, correct? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I, I grew up here, um, uh, love the industry. Um, but yeah, it, you know, going back, so I actually had a pre-con meeting this morning on my, one of my bigger developments. We're just kicking off for phase two out here. And so, and, and this is, if you're in the world of developing that my, my truck is my office, you know, I have an office, you know, elsewhere, but I, I'm in my truck quite a bit. I got all my, my plans here in my truck and, um, this is kind of where I, I live and work right now. Yeah. So when you're out on a, out on a site, like right now, when you go out there for a meeting, like, what is, what does that look like? What are you, what are you doing out there on, on site right now? Um, so typically, so this was a pre-con meeting. So you, you know, we have to do that, you know, once the, the, the construction plans are approved, uh, we do a kickoff meeting where you'll bring in your engineers, the city staff, your road construction guys, your wet utilities guys, your joint trench for all your utilities. And uh, you meet um, and you just go through the plans, make sure there's no questions, making sure everyone understands you know, what their schedule is. I'll have a schedule laid out for them. So we go through the schedule, make any adjustments um, to make sure we can all, you know, follow that schedule and then the the city has signed your plans and then that allows you to start construction so we'll be starting our phase two next week out here it'll take us about six months to complete construction and then we'll pave it and then it takes us a few months to record it and then once it's recorded that's when we can start selling the lots to, to our builders Cool. So since you're doing that in, so we're recording right now, the beginning of February, 2024. And since you're having these meetings now, I assume that you do, you're doing year round, uh, development out there. Or are you, is it seasonal or are you doing year round? No, it's, it's year round. Um, you know, in the winter months, we, it does get cold where usually we can't do our wet utilities. Um, but we can cut in roads, um, land leveling, um, out here on this project, we had to raise it about two feet. So we're right on the Boise River. It's kind of a, a key location. Um, but we actually dug our ponds. So we have these natural ponds that um, we use the material, 90% uh, of its pit run that we use for to raise in the site. And then we actually stockpile it. I'm looking over right now. We stockpile it into big piles and we use that for our, our base of our roads. Okay. Um, so a lot of that can be done on the winter because the water table is lower. And you can go deeper and these ponds are 25, 30 feet deep typically. Okay. So you get a lot of, you get a lot of like earth from, from those ponds and, and digging those ponds and everything to be able to use for that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yep, absolutely. Cool. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Hess Properties then. So when you, when you talk about your company to other people, how do you describe what it is that you do? Um, so really just, you know, we're a land developing company. Uh, mainly high-end residential is kind of our our 
key focus. Um, we have a lot of custom home builders that are local. So we, we try to provide loads uh, a lot to those builders that are local. Um, so they're more custom home communities. Uh, we do larger state lots. Um, so it's kind of a niche that we've created. Um, we've had a lot of national builders come to the market, um, but their market's more the, you know, the starter homes, the smaller lots. Um, so we've really found this niche um, that we've, we've created um, and have a great following of a, a ton of great builders and, and a so like it's it's a way to protect you know the builder groups that are local to allow them to continue to to build homes and make a living and uh yeah so that's been our our, our main is kind of a higher end uh custom home uh builder developer gotcha and you so you're doing the the land development but you're not uh you're not actually building homes then you're you have other so, builders come in or do you do some home building as well so we have a pretty cool system. So we, we'll develop the property and it kind of goes back to my, where I originally started was I was buying lots and I'd partner with builders. So I still do that quite a bit. So we actually have a, a big investment group now um, that I still come in, I do all the land developing and I still partner with builders and do spec homes. So by doing that, I'll sell a third of my lots to builders to recoup my costs. And then a third, I try to make them pre-sold, meaning their homeowners coming in, choosing their builder. Um, and then I keep a third of them typically for ourselves. And then we'll partner with the builder, do a spec home. Um, and then we split those profits with those builders. So I, I've continued that model. Um, I've just expanded it from you know only doing you know 10 or 12 lots a year. Now we do probably 100, 100 lots a year w- with those builders. Nice. So it's definitely expanded quite a bit. Now we bring investors in and have a pretty slick model where um, our, our our investors can get good returns. We get good returns and then the builders aren't having to use banks um, to finance their projects. And uh, and then we're using pretty much house money at that, at that time. Okay. I was going to ask you how you, like what keeps things fresh or like what keeps you in this? Cause you've been doing it for a while now and uh, you're obviously still doing it. And it sounds like you've got such a wide variety of things that you're, you're tapping into and stuff right now that I'm sure that helps keep things, keep you coming yeah. back instead of like going off and doing something else. Yeah. I've just, I really feel like it's, it's home. Um, you know, I've, I've been in the, the subcontractor where you're always chasing money, chasing builders, you know, which is funny, uh, chasing them to, to pay their bills. And I got, you know, the gym business was great. Um, and it was a good residual income. Um, but this felt like home. Uh, I love taking a, a bare piece of ground and, and, you know, taking the vision of, of what most people can't see and then turn it into these nice communities. And, uh, and I think the chase is more, I mean, it was about the money and the money's great once it comes. Um, there is a long, big gap from the time you buy the land to the time you get it recorded. I mean, this project I'm on right now, I bought it almost five years ago. Okay. Um, so there is a big gap from the time you buy it. Then you got to go in and rezone it. Um, then you got to plat it and then you got to get construction drawings and then you got to start construction. Um, I'm in my phase one right now and we have homes starting in here, in here now. So it's just cool to kind of see the the project evolve over, over the years. And that's probably what keeps me going is just, I know it takes so much time to, to get these going or 
I know if I stop three, four years from now, I'm, you know, I'm not going to have any lots available for these builders. Yeah. Well, that's, that's interesting. I was just, uh, the episode that we just had released this week was with, uh, with the guy here locally where I'm at, uh, named Derek Temple, who he mentioned, uh, how patience has been so important because of that, that time period or how long some of these projects can take. And it sounds like, uh, you know, it's the same regardless of where you're at. If you're in the land development space and you're, you're doing projects and stuff like you can't, it's not, it's not a quick thing. You don't just push a button and the project's done. (laughs) <laughs> no, and most people on the outside think it is. They think, oh, that was just farm ground. And now they're pushing dirt and, and they don't realize it was three, four years prior that we'd acquired it. Um, yeah, it, it just, it takes a long time and, and it's definitely a, a patience game, um, you know, trying to fight through the agencies and, and the cities and the codes and the engineering. And um, yeah, it's not for the faint of heart for sure. Yeah. That seems to be a consistent theme. You know, one of the things that, uh, you know, as we, as I talk to more people in the industry and kind of hear the stories and everything, it does seem to be, regardless of where you're at in the country, um, you know, there are the the challenges that you have, or there, there are certain things with the municipalities and, and the different agencies and stuff when you're doing projects and all that. So it feels like, uh, I don't know what the answer is to it as far as like how to, how to help speed things up. But it does, it does feel like, uh, within the, regardless of what area, um, people are in, you know, it's, there's a certain amount of red tape and I've always wondered, you know, what's the, what's the right amount? Like what's that collaboration between the municipality, the community, you know, and the developer. So that way it's, you know, it allows the developer to, you know, create something great for the community and do it in a way that, uh, you know, where, where everybody can win versus I see, you know, I see some communities where, or by communities, I mean, some municipalities where, you know, there, there's a little bit of an iron fist and with that iron fist makes it very difficult for developers to operate in those communities. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's one of those things I've never, I I don't have the answers on it, but it's always something that comes up on conversations. Yeah, no, hundred percent. You know, and that's our first thing is when we, Tie up a project. We go into the city and you know look at their comp plan and 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 kind of tell them who we are and, and the type of uh, projects we like to do. And and our projects are, are unique, um, where the home sites are are, are bigger, um, the tax revenue is much higher. Um, typically, the incomers that are um, or the income earners that are purchasing these projects are, are great, um, you know, buyers and um, you know people that can help. Uh, really elevate their their cities, um, but yeah, you're right. There's, the, you know, and especially recently in Idaho, it was one of the fastest growing states, and we had a ton of people moving at moving in after COVID, so it exploded. And then the agencies kind of all pushed back because they felt like you know their you know the roads or infrastructure wasn't quite ready. So the delays and the processes have gotten so long that a lot of people have gotten out of the game because if, if you know, to be honest, if if you're having a bank loan and you're tied up in these projects, it, those could drain you pretty quickly. So that's where I go back. You know, my grandpa was, you know, a, a good business guy, very business minded. And he always told me a, a saying that I've kind of lived by, but he said, you know, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. And so that's always been my goal is to be a pig. And, and by saying that, I, I bring in investors where I know I'm not using them banks where I could potentially make more money bringing a bank in, but I know that bank loan could 
you know, eventually slaughter me. And, and that's not the game I'm in. And, um, I've been fortunate to have good investors, good partners, and, and uh, we're, we've all made good money at the end. Yeah. No, I like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, the, uh, so when, when you think about some of the projects that you've worked on, is there any, any of your projects that you've worked on over the years that really stands out in your mind as one that, uh, that, you know, you're most proud of or, or one that, uh, was maybe the most fun or even challenging to work on? Yeah. Yeah. So actually the one I'm on right now, um, is probably the biz- biggest project I've, I've been involved in. Um, it's 160 acres. Um, and it's not just residential. It's, it's, we're doing not homes here. We have a bunch of commercial coming in. We have a hotel restaurant pad site coming in. Um, so in the years past, I've been more out in the county doing larger one acre lots. Um, uh, but the backstory on this is this is actually the town I grew up in. So, you know, I grew up and, and the family that owned this um, is a good family friend. I actually grew up with them, you know, fishing this river and, and hunting, you know, and the backside of this. So the backstory was such a cool idea. Um, if this was on the, one of the first projects, I, I would have said, no, um, it was way over my head. Um, I didn't have the right team in place or the, or the funds available to do it. Um, but as it progressed, it, it became a good opportunity. And, and I think it's, you know, it goes back to that win, win, win where they're winning, um, because we're honoring them. Um, we're calling it Riverwalk Ranch, but within the logo, we're using their old family, uh, ranch logo um all the street names we named named them after their family so it's just kind of fun to do a project where we can honor their family and and uh honor them um and in the meantime it's the, you know the city i grew up in and and uh i guess it was a town back then but it's mm-hmm. grown up uh quite a bit and be able to give back to my community and and provide commercial that i think will benefit everyone here has been kind of a a big circle of 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 uh you know, good and bad. You know, I've gotten some pushback, yeah. through, but, but the good is much, much better. Oh, that's awesome. I, I remember seeing you post about that on your Instagram. So I, I remember you mentioning something about this project that you're working on. So a lot of that is definitely ringing a bell of you, you mentioning it. So that's this, this project. So that's, that's really, that's yep. really cool. Um, yeah, this is, this is it. Yes. So when you, uh, when you think back about the, you know, everything that you've kind of gone through in your, your career, do you have anything that you look back on that you're like, man, I wish I, I wish I could have done that differently, or I wish I would have done this differently, or do you, are you more of the mindset of you take it like, well, that's what, that's all what led me to where I'm at today, or are there any things that you kind of you wish or think you could have done differently? You know, um, I think I, I'm definitely to your second opinion where I think the things I I didn't do right I learned from, and that's what allowed me to get where I'm at today. Um, I'm a huge advocate for, you know, being an entrepreneur and having multiple streams of income, um, but also not over leveraging yourself. And, and, you know, I've taken some risks, you know, and it, it does, you know, a lot of people that I have lunch with, you know, they all have good ideas, but most of them just don't have the, the willpower to jump all in. Um, and I've had to do that, you know, multiple times where first getting going, I've had to, you know, put my house up for collateral to, to, you know, take a project on, or I've had to, you know, get money that was hard to get. Um, 
And that's all kind of what built me up to where I am today. Um, now I don't have to do that. Um, so it's a great benefit that I learned young and took some risks young um, to get where I'm at. But now where I'm at, it's such a, you know, a feeling of, of you know, being blessed and the gratitude of, of knowing I, I risk those things. But in return, I, I'm more better off than I was. And now I know the knowledge that I learned. And, and you're different when, when, when it's your money and it's your back against the wall. Um, you really fight to make it work. You know, I've seen other people go get money, go get a bank loan. And, and if it's not their money, they're a little bit more lax on how the money's spent, how their projects are going. And a lot of times I've seen, you know, those projects go belly up because that person in it wasn't all in it. Yeah. So it's not quite as, not like, quite as hungry when, <laughs> yeah, when you're, Sure. Yeah. 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 Well, I see. I'm glad you shared that too, because I do feel like the, you know, in our society, we tend to be a very event driven people. And so like we see that event kind of like you mentioned earlier about the projects, right? Oh, this was just farm ground. And now it's, you know, this development that just happened overnight. And like, it was so easy to do that. You just, you go through A, B, C, D, you go through these steps and everything just works out. And same thing with entrepreneurship. I mean, everything just goes perfectly, you know, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's entrepreneurship, right? <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone sees the, everyone sees the end game. They don't see the, the sleepless nights or the, um, you know, waking up earlier or, or working late and they see you at the end and, and that's not, not the whole story. And, you know, it's, it's like the typical, you know, the iceberg, you just see the top, yep. you don't see everything that happened underneath to, to make, to make it to the top. So yeah, it's definitely a, definitely a grind. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, this was a really good conversation. I'm going to let you get back to it. Uh, but before we before we end, I just want to um, ask you, like, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they have any questions, whether for you personally or or you know your company? Uh, what's the best contact point? Yeah, so my my main point of contact, you know, and I, I actually started my Instagram page really for this reason is is trying to help people you know level up, get to the next level. So I'm at T. TL underscore Hess. And uh, I, I answer questions on there. I, I do videos on there and it's all free. Um, I don't ask for anything. I've been asked quite a few times to sell, you know, how to develop. And I just, that's not what I'm, you know, there to do. I'm there honestly to teach people and help people learn from my mistakes, but also see what I, I've been able to do. So yeah, sweet. Feel free to reach out and send me a message and I'll respond as I can. Awesome. Well, yeah, all of you listening in, go give Tyler a follow uh, on Instagram. And uh, if you haven't already uh, subscribed to the show, if you're just listening in for the first time, click that button and give us a give us a follow, give us a, a subscribe. And uh, that's all for this episode. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Thanks.